need to be vulnerable and we need to trust in one another. And if you can find a group, a department, a grade love, a partner, whoever that you can do that with, you need to hang on to that PLN with all your might because that's how you grow. Okay, no swearing. Try my best, no promises. I'm not very good at that. I stay in education because I believe in it. I think there's something for it, but I don't think it needs to fit into the nice little package that we fit it into. So last night, I had the immense pleasure of talking with Jen Giffen. She is a DLRT, or a digital literacy resource teacher, working in Ontario, Canada. And in the, pers- in the pursuit of talking about changes in education, we talked about the power of mentorship, gratitude between teachers, and somehow near the end of the conversation, we managed to talk about aliens. Chasing Squirrels podcast is all about trying to find out about those interesting and powerful changes that can happen in education to both workers inside and outside the box. I had a blast talking with Jen. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Enjoy. Hi, Jen. <laughs> Hi, Chris. <laughs> okay. I'm well. I'm well. So, uh, Chasing Squirrels podcast. So, the... The title Chasing Squirrels, I'll tell you the story right off the top top end. Uh, easily 12, 13 years ago, uh, living in downtown Toronto, and my spouse told me a story about uh, taking the dog for a walk, and my dog somehow grabbed a squirrel right off a tree. So, like, That's yeah, sad. I know. <laughs> and so in grabbing the squirrel off the tree, you know, my dog really did – basically the squirrel, you know – rotated one way my dog decided to go the other way and somehow on the back side of the tree all of a sudden my spouse came around to the other side to see my dog just like holding down this little screaming rodent and my dog was surprised I think the squirrel was surprised and I think that uh you know well I know actually my spouse was freaking out so this story the squirrel got away I'll tell you the squirrel got away but this story like it's kind of stuck with me. It, I have to be honest, it's stuck with me because I can't say how many times that I've actually, um, like, you know, you, you try to corner the squirrel. Who hasn't? Who hasn't tried to, like, get the better of a squirrel around a tree? Yeah. I've never been able to grab one. So I think this thing has stuck in my mind for three reasons. Three reasons. One, something like that, grabbing the squirrel, I would love to be able to do. I would just, I would love to be able to be that agile to be able to do it. Like Mr. Miyagi with the chopsticks and the fly. You you got it. Barehanded scroll grabbing. Um, yeah. Again, something that I might have to edit out just by saying that. So <laughs> the, but it, what's what what stuck with me? What still sort of carries with me is the fact that um, I'm sure the squirrel didn't know what the hell was going on. My dog didn't know what it had done, and my spouse is observing this complete oddity. Like, how does that even happen? Right. And it just when I was thinking about what I wanted to. What I wanted to focus on or what I thought would be interesting, the interesting stories is that moment of change, that moment of change for obviously the squirrel and their mortality and my dog, like this is a new thing. And my spouse, like, how am I going to separate these two animals? Um, I started thinking about, I, I don't even know how I made the connection, but thinking about work and thinking about how when change happens in our workplace, I don't think it's as simple as saying, you know, are you the squirrel? Are you my dog? Are you the person observing it? Right. But there's something there's something there that I'm that I'm I'm looking to unwind with this podcast. So with that's the backstory. 
um, the second thing I wanted to tell you is that uh, how how you've sort of changed me. So what your impact on on my uh, teaching or just existing in education? And it was interesting. I tried. Do you remember? Like, how did we meet? I remember meeting you at at tech camp. Just like like two months ago. Yeah, like in October. And I felt yeah. this like instant connection. Like, I really like this Chris Clough guy. He's a really cool dude. You know, you meet people and you just feel like you've known each other. That's how I felt. I, I have a friend who has a theory or uh, that she went to like one of those angel reader things. And they explained when that happens, that this theory, if you believe it, and it makes sense to me. I don't know if I believe this, the actual full essence of the theory is it means that in some alternate dimension or in another life or whatever it happens if you're buddhist i guess like you're the past life you were connected somehow you were somehow related like we maybe you were my mom or something like there's souls those people that you instantly feel that connection to it's because you've been connected before i like that and that's how i felt i did I like too that. i was like this is, that's kind of neat that you know and there are other people that just instantly you're like there's something about you that I, we just get each other. And I, when I met you, I felt like we'd known each other for a long time, even though we hadn't, I felt very comfortable. Yeah. I, it's, it's funny that, um, in talking to some other, talking to other people that you sort of, you spend the predominant amount of time getting to know people on social media and, and digitally, and then yeah. you get the chance to meet people in person. Yeah. I would say you, you definitely fill all the space in in sort of like my head as far as how you sort of exist in social media and how you exist in real life. And there's a nice- oh, That's nice, there's, thanks. There's, well, it's completely true. And I think this is, I when I, the impact, when I think about the impact that you've had on, on I'll say as, it could be, it's not so much on my teaching, but I think it's on me as a teacher, is mm -hmm. that I've been doing a lot of thinking about the necessity of taking risk and sort of pushing, mm -hmm. I don't, I, I'm completely done with the pushing beyond boundaries, mm -hmm. but just the idea of pushing through the fear and, and sort of taking your fear with you. And I found myself saying that a lot to my colleagues are saying, I just, I don't want to try this. I don't, I, I don't know. I just don't know. I said, well, take, take that emotion with you, but do it anyways. Yeah. And that was completely that I, that I took from you and sort of like what seemed to be your seem to be sort of your focus in in sort of getting through your stuff because i actually went back and i tried to find i did find actually what our first tweets were and it was oh, yeah because yeah, i definitely knew you on social media before i met you in person maybe that was part of but it what's, too. but what's interesting we didn't tweet until early november when there was a very quick some conversation about standing desks oh, i love standing desks yeah. i want one so badly do i as do I. I've made my own actually at, in class. I don't have them. I've actually asked around to get them. Um, but yeah. that was our first, our first sort of professional interaction that was digital only. And right. um, since then we've had a few, but I think there's been, it's almost like there's a, I feel like, I feel like we're official now in this sort of PLN world. We're oh, sort absolutely. of like, we could sort of move yeah. forward with something like, at some I, point. Or, I was only or remotely kidding when we went out that night to Finn's and I said, that's my Twitter bestie. I was like, because that's what we do, like all the time. I'm like, oh, I'll just ask Clough. And I like get on Twitter. Like, that's where I find you. Totally agree. So what what I want to do, I want to ask you, I'm going to give you um, some 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 starters. And I'd, I'd love to hear how you'd finish the sentences. Okay. okay. So um, <laughs> try this one. 
Uh, before I became a teacher, I... Uh, oh, before I became a teacher, I knew I wanted to be a teacher. I, I was teaching anyway. I was a teacher. Before I was a teacher, I was a teacher. I wanted to teach forever. No matter what I've been doing, I've always taught. And I go back and a lot of my life is is not necessarily around teaching. Like I worked for StatScan around census time. I was a bartender. I was a camp counselor and camp director for a long time. I, um, I worked at Indigo. That was one of my favorite jobs. But in all of those, it was about imparting knowledge on other people. I love to learn and I love to be with people who are learning. So yeah, I was, before I was a teacher, I, I was a teacher. I've been me forever. And I, awesome. I've always said, I don't know what my life will be like when I retire because all of a sudden I won't be able to say I'm a teacher and I'll probably be at an age where my red hair will start fading if it goes anything like my <laughs> my ginger predecessors and my grandfather and my great aunt. I'll be this sort of like very light shade of, I don't know, it's, it's not gray. It's this weird light ginger. But it'll be <laughs> weird for me not to be a redheaded teacher because to me that's who I am other than like being a mom and being a wife and being a cheerleader. Those are, that's, that's who I am. That's awesome. Okay, try this one. Uh, I stay in education because... I believe in education. So I, I've said a lot, and, and not disrespectfully, in the last couple of years, education is broken. It's broken and it really needs to be fixed. But I say that in the same breath where I say I do believe in it and I do believe we're going to get there. Um, and I think it goes back to, you know, we, we've talked about this earlier, that whole Sanders comment about you know, the, the best PD is the one where you, you leave knowing less than when you arrived. I think it's, I, I don't know if it's that I'm in a part because I'm at the halfway point of my career, right? Like I've, I've got, I'm 16 in and I have about 16 to go mm -hmm. that I'm realizing, okay, I, I've lived through a lot of it. I've, I've towed the company line. I've, I've lived the status quo. And now I'm starting to see my horizons broaden for a variety of reasons, whether it be my position now or the PLNs that I have on social media that aren't just like our board, you know, spewing, not spewing, that's the wrong word because it has such negative connotations, but, you know, saying, okay, this is what we believe. And I do believe we're a progressive board. Um, spewing, spewing can also just be volume too. Yeah, that's it true. It to be negative. It could just be that there's just so much. Yeah. Then I read this article with this little girl who was like seven and a half, I want to say, six and a mm -hmm. half. And her grandmother was a retired kindergarten teacher. And she started to get really nervous because this little girl wasn't reading it. And she's like, I, I know the data and I know how hard it's going to become. And this is the, like, we're at the end of the window. If she doesn't learn now, it's, and this kid did not know how to read. And six months later, all of a sudden she decided, I want to learn to read. And this is the very Waldorfian. And within six months, she was reading Harry Potter to her grandmother. Six awesome. months, not reading to that. So that, and, and that really... That one article, it was a game changer for me. I, and I actually go back to it often. I think a lot of the risk-taking that you talked about earlier. And while I don't see taker, I see myself as a risk ID. Is that a word? I don't, it's not a word, but I'm an English teacher, so I can make it up. Like I have risky ideas that I'm, I'm willing to dance with that I don't think a lot of people do. Because I like the challenge and I like, I, I like change that I can control. So yep. reading this article, it was like everything that I believe about education, but very little that I practice. And I think that's why, especially in, in this job, in this, this sort of new iteration of myself, think about that. And I'm like, well, if I wanted to be that, if I want that to be the reality, then I've got to do it. Like I've got to practice what I preach with it. So yeah, I stay because I believe in it. And I really, really love it. Like I really love my job. And I, like my husband 
he likes his job, but he's never had that passion. He's always had a lot of jealousy. He said like, like, wow, like you just really love, you could do your job all day long. Like you could work 24 seven. I'm like, I really could. I just really love it. That's awesome. So though. that's what keeps me there. It's, it, it keeps me alive. Okay. How about this one? I am the educator. I am because. Oh, of, of the educators I've had. Um, good feel, and bad. Feel, feel free to name drop. The good. Oh yeah, I I totally yeah. And then there was this one guy. <laughs> I know. Um, no, but even even the bad. I had um, I had some really great uh, teachers when I was at Bayview. So um, Mary Jane McKelvey was my grade nine English teacher, and she, and I went on to become an English teacher. I always knew I wanted to be a teacher, but I didn't know what. And when I got to high school, I knew I wanted to be a high school teacher. Although I I really think the like the bomb of teaching is grade five. Like start watching all the gurus out there. Five percent of them are grade five teachers. What is it about grade it's five? True. And I have a cousin who middle taught school, grade five. School. Everything's middle yeah. school. Yeah, yeah. No, but not even middle school's too old. Like middle school's like six, seven, eight, nine, right? Like grade oh, five is the one. I didn't think it was five. At any rate, I have a cousin who taught five for years, and I said, "What is it?" She goes, "They're young enough to still love you, but they're old enough to really learn." Totally, what it is. And yet, I think about myself in grade five. I had this a, a teacher. I won't. I won't even go there. She used to. We used to all leave class at the same time, and she'd find us all in the bathroom. And she'd come in and start like blowing her whistle in the anyway. Wow. <laughs> she was she was special. Um, but anyway, so back to Mary Jane. She um, she was Mary Jane Payne at the time, and she has a British accent, and she was she used to swear at us, and she was like she was amazing. And she taught me a lot of things. I remember a lot of things I actually did in that class, books that I read, the way we learned them. But I vividly remember I sat in the back corner with the boys. And she was walking up and down the aisle showing our midterm marks. And like this is before the day of, you know, digital marks and knowing exactly where you are at all times. And she put the paper down on my desk. And I was a French immersion kid, right? I went to immersion until grade eight. And uh, so here I am in an English school. And I was doing well in, in English. I always started, I was a B student through elementary. And I was okay with that. And I had a 78. And she put the paper down. <laughs> this is her grade paper. And she pointed at my mark. And the whole, it's like, didn't drop silence. He didn't speak in her class. That was just didn't. And... I expect this to be in the high 80s by the end of the semester, Jennifer. Quit effing around. <laughs> but she actually said effing. And I was like, I was terrified. I was like, oh my God, Ms. McKelvey's going to kill me. And I, I'm a, you know, I'm a people pleaser. And I was like, oh, yes, ma'am. And I'll do that. And I started to realize that I only had to work a little bit harder to perform so much better. And the better I did, the better I felt. And it was this whole cycle thing. And I ended up like graduating with almost a 90% average. And I really credit her for that to sort of spark that in me to realize I just needed to do it and have someone who I didn't really think was paying attention say something like that to me. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll do this. And I actually, I, I ran into her at a funeral for a former teacher and I mentioned to her and she sort of laughed it off. And then this summer I reconnected with her on Facebook. She didn't recognize because of the changed last name. She said, can you just mm -hmm. jog my memory? And I haven't really changed the look so much. So I guess she didn't stalk my photos. And I told her, I said, oh, I was, you know, this is what I did. And I, you know, and I gave her context. She wrote, oh, one of my favorites, Jen Bell, of course, how are you? And, and it was just so nice. So I had her and she was awesome. And I had um, Al Falkenberg, who still teaches at Bayview, actually. Um, he's the, the head of English there. And he took me on as a co-op student when I was in OAC. And I was student council president. So I didn't want to go somewhere because I was student council president. But I really wanted to do the co-op because I really wanted to see the teaching and know that it was my you know calling. And I know people say that and it's cliche, but I do believe people are like that. And, and he just, he took me under his wing and he just trusted me. And I was like this kid in grade, you know, 
you know, AC, teaching grade 11s, teaching grade 9s. And he was like, yeah, Jen, go. And he let me take some risks and he let me have some failures. And that was great. And then I, I had a, a professor at Queen's, Professor Lobb was his name. And he used to give these lectures for um, British literature, of modern British lit. And he was a staunch old British guy and would leave every class, like having done the readings, come in and I'd listen to him and I would leave every class and we couldn't stop talking about what he said. Like it was just that, like he would ignite this sort of the thinking and, and the, the different perspective. And I loved that. Like I just, I loved it. I also, I, I had a math teacher at Bayview who I, I told off one day actually. <laughs> and I ended up, he got really upset and he, well, we thought he was going to cry and he was yelling at some kids in the class and I thought he was out of line. So of course I had to be the martyr and be like, yeah, it's not right that you're doing this. And, and then I realized how like one person, and I went back the next day and I apologized because I knew I was out of line and it ended up that this is in the days of presentation marks or uh, so participation Ooh. marks right yeah, yeah, yeah. 10% participation well like I don't shut up so I always got that was an easy 10% for me and I <laughs> I teach English and math so I know how to calculate my marks especially the old way that we used to do it right like 10% tests 20% quizzes and all those and I knew what my mark was going to the exam I knew what my mark was on the exam and somehow there was an 8% differential so he gave me like a 2% for participation because of this and it was a good lesson for me to learn that you know I was in the 10th or 11th grade at the time and we ended up I, I apologized and we sort of grew and he moved on because he's an adult and um but it was a good lesson for me to realize like sometimes you you can't you can't just stand up for the small guy and be a bully and do it that way so that was a really good teaching lesson for me too is to realize how to how to frame things delicately to to reach an audience and to get things done properly and while it wasn't the most positive experience it was really it, it stuck with me obviously for forever um you go right there i can tell like you're you're right back in each yeah. one of those teachers classrooms again i, I absolutely was I, I absolutely yeah i have i have a lot of I'm, I'm definitely the teacher i am today and informal teachers too right like i've done I've done sports my whole life. I, I was a competitive figure skater for a while. I skated with like Emmanuel Sandu and I skated with Elvis Stoico and all those guys. Um, so like my coaches and, and I often go, I, I'm, I did uh, cheerleading at Queens on sort of a junior varsity kind of team with the Queens bands. Um, and then I started coaching and now I, I, the director, the, not the director, but the, um, the prep coordinator for their, their pre competitive teams. So there's like six teams that I work with and the coaches and I teach them and just thinking about coaching that I've done and coaching that I've had and learning from as, as students, one of my favorite kids stories. And I, I get goosebumps and I'm, every time I tell it, I had this kid, Daniel, um, that I worked with when I did student success. So I wasn't his teacher. I coached his sister. I worked a lot with him. I like, I remember going to their family house and her like, to drop something off a project that he'd forgotten. And his mom invited me and insisted I had dinner with them. They were this Italian family and, and they were fantastic. And he was, he was a kid who was taking college level courses, but really struggled. Like probably should have been a workplace level kid, but wanted to be with his friends and yep. really, really talented athlete. Um, but not a really strong academic kid. And, he was working on an assignment for English and he was working with me in my office and I was like guiding him through and trying to help him. And then I called his mom and I was like, listen, this is what you got to do. And, and at home and, and he got it done and she called me in the morning. She's like, okay, what's this? And he's going to hand it in. He has it. And at the end of period two, when it was due, I ran up to, you know, his teacher and I said, Hey, did he hand it in? He looked through the pile. He's like, no, it's not here. And I said, what do you mean it's not there? Look again. And he looks through and he hadn't handed it in. And I was ready to murder this child, like murder him. And I went and I ran into his Italian class. And I looked at him I'm like you, out 
and the whole kids were like, oh, Griff is going to kill you. <laughs> and he came out in the hall, and I waited until most of the hall was empty, and I just stood there, like, staring at him, like, that's, like, mom, angry face before I was a mom. And he, and he started looking at the ground, and I'm like, what on earth are you thinking? I worked my tail off. You worked your tail off. Your mother worked your tail. We all put all this effort into it, and then you don't hand it in. What? I can't even begin. And I just like went up one side of this kid and down the other because like he's from the Italian family, and he responded yeah, yeah. that way. And, you know what I mean? Like I, I was like, assimilating almost. Yeah. And he's he's looking at the ground the whole time. I'm like, the least you can do is look me in the eye when you're talking to me, or when when I'm talking to you. And he looked up, and he had tears in his eyes. And I went, what? And he goes. And I said, why didn't you hand it in? And Halston, he blurts out, he goes, because when it's in my bag, it's still good. And my heart breaks into a thousand pieces. And I thought, oh my gosh. And he completely changed my assessment practices because this something back and he wasn't really good speller and he didn't do this. And like his sentence structure wasn't great. And his ideas were okay. And he would have something that he worked his heart out for and it'd be covered in red and very little positive. And I thought, yeah, put in 100%. And he might get a 60. Where we like, especially as an English teacher, I'm correcting all the grammar and the sentence structure know, and, right? and everything. And then I'm I'm handing it back to them with all these like, oh, do this next time. Do this, do this, do this, do that. And this is something that he put so much. And he was really proud of this. But he knew he was get, like, at most getting a 60. He's like, my best is a 60%. Like, what does that do to a kid's mental wellness? Mm-hmm. I used to, I, I didn't care about the sentence structure and that. I thought wasn't the focus. Um, I stopped correcting a lot of grammar unless it was glaring, like certain things I have pet peeves. So I, you know, I, I like people to use the comma properly. So I'll, and the, or I'll, I'll say like, listen, you've missed some commas. Can you just read this handout and attach them? Especially with my locally developed and applied in college level courses. I, um, I created a little handout that had a little light bulb yep. and heart and a little heart. And I would just put two points in each, two things I loved about what you did. And it like literally some days I was like, I don't know what to say other than maybe the font. Like sometimes you have to really stretch it. But ideas for next time, because I usually know where we're going. And I could say, okay, these were some things that they struggled on that'll probably repeat themselves on the next one. So if they consider, and it became a really good exercise because I would have the students actually take those out. And I put them on really bright, obnoxious colored paper, staple it and say, don't lose these. And of course, they throw it into their binder, which would be messy. But I used to do binder shake. That's a whole other story. Binders <laughs> every Friday, and then it was, but they they knew where all their notes were because they knew I was going to do it, so they put them in. <laughs> I used to. And I'm not even kidding. Ask me. I have a dance. I have a song. It's awesome. And we, uh, I, I would say, go get the you know, the little green sheet or whatever color I was using that year, and they pull them out and say, okay, look before we start this assignment, read the two suggestions, like ideas for next time, and keep those in the forefront as we move on. And then I would assign it. So he absolutely taught me that. Um, so it's not only, you know, teachers in the sense of those who have taught me formally. It's also those who have taught me just life lessons. Dr. Mary Coy is, um, is a huge mentor of mine. She uh, is just retired, actually, out of Boise. She was my faculty advisor when I did my master's there. And I ended up being in a study. We had this... Um, some it was a big Canadian grant. It was like two hundred fifty thousand dollar grant, and she brought teachers together and she said, and it was all about PLNs, and how can we have professional learning networks of teachers who are passionate about teaching, but they don't have to be doing the same thing because sometimes you're not, or sometimes you might go on a little tangent and go. And mm-hmm. she thought, if you bring like-minded, passionate people together, they will learn. And if you give them the autonomy to do that learning, it it's organic. 
And so that's what we would meet on like um, Adobe Connect. We'd get release days. We would go down to Oise and have these symposiums for three days in the summer. And it's I'm still in touch with the people that were involved in it. And it was powerful. And this was like, the board actually removed me for a year because it didn't align with the ethics. And so it was too much release time, even though she was covering it, but it was away from, because like I got it. I also had the twins at that point. So I had right. to, so I was sort of only half in one year. So she taught me a lot and a lot about just thinking you want kids to do. And like, we don't need to walk them through it. One of the biggest things she told me, I was writing a paper and I said, okay, well, how long does it have to be? She's like, well, how long do you want it to be? I'm like, well, no, how, how long should it be? She's like, how long do you think it should be? And she wouldn't answer questions like, well, do you think it's this? Well, do you think it should be that? And so she gave no parameters. So all of my work and the courses that I did with her, and she was, the first course I ever did in my master's was hers. I ended up writing this 24 page paper that I lived and breathed and adored writing because it was about what I wanted to learn. Yeah not what I was supposed to learn. And I've taken that a lot into my own practice, like as much as I can, like sometimes, you, you know, you have to follow what the other sections are doing in certain courses, especially in English. Like I can't say no essays when everyone else is writing two or three. I like I love giving out no assignment sheet, just the rubric. Here you go. If you want to level four, do this. So like, but what does it look like? I'm like, I don't know. Do you have exemplars? No. But but that's good teaching practice. You you have to. I'm like no, I I don't want you to cookie cut yourself. Like I want you to go out and learn what you want to learn and make it awesome. And and students rise to it more so than when you say okay A and then B and then C because we we play the game of school right. That's Cristovani her book, uh, but I don't get it. It was one of my sort of I don't know mechanical texts I guess when we uh, when I teach it's and she says that she goes kids are great at playing the game of school I was great at playing the game of school okay tell me what you want me to to say and I'll say it and then I'll get my A and we'll move on and it'll be amazing and everybody will be happy because it's easy for you but it's not real learning it's not authentic and then you end up getting somewhere else in your life where that doesn't happen so it's so all of a sudden I wasn't being told well, here's what the essay has to be about. And here's, I was like, but how am I getting, and all of a sudden I went from a 90 to like my first paper was a 68. And I was, what? Like, no, isn't it supposed to start with the eight and end with the six? Like I was flabbergasted, but it was, it was really fast learning that I had to do. And kids who feel they have to play the game of school. I like to sort of rock the boat a little bit in that sense. So, but yeah. I love, I love what you said before you said, I, I think, I think you said you're, you're a risk. <laughs> A risk identifier. No, I, I ideator. Like I, ideator. I, can, I have I, risky ideas. <laughs> a risk, I, I'm gonna write yeah. something. Write that down. I Sorry, I think it. I think it was when the audio kicked out. So, the, so the you know if listening listening to what you just shared though, like yeah. you, there's there's definitely some taking going on in there. Like it's not just thinking it up. You're you're delivering. Sometimes. So. Well, not as much as I'd like. Let's say that way. Not as much as I'd like. That's that's where I was going to go. That's where I was going to go next. So I was I I think I think about um often when I think about risk and and how if I go back to the the squirrel, my dog, and me. Yeah. My um, my idea of sort of managing change and sort of taking on risk and all that kind of stuff entirely comes from my mom. Totally blame my mom. My 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 dad was the. Yeah, my my dad worked for the bank for 40 years. My mom worked wherever she could to make money for 40 years. So she worked a bunch of different jobs and she was always very much of the mind. You do a thing, you do it well, you make some money and you kind of move on. So the... I kind of know where I get my mindset from kind of pushing my own, my own children, as well as my students, very much like you, like, yes, you can actually do an assignment just from a rubric. 
because I you were part of the authentic learning that led up to the assessment tool. So yeah. you can create something. Yeah, and probably help me make that rubric. Exactly, exactly. Give them a little credit, right? So where where does that come from for you? Because I would call it risk taking. I mean, you call it create just creating and kind of thinking about it. <laughs> but where do, where does that come from? Because yeah. it's it seems like you're doing it, and I think it it's it. I know, I know, because I've worked. I've worked with students like you've worked with students and I know that type of sort of that that bait and switch with students works amazingly well when it's delivered well. So where do you get that from? Where did, where does that come from? I don't know. Um, I think it comes from like like I mentioned, I like controlled change. If I can I like change as long as I can control that change. Um, so I and I'm one that if change is thrust upon me, I panic and oh. I'm no good for about 30 minutes. And then once I get it all filed neatly again in my brain, because I'm very A-type in, in that I need things organized, then I'm like, okay, no, I'm fine. I, I'm totally cool with this. This is good. But for that 30 minutes, and like, my husband always laughs because like, okay, this is a change. So I'm just going to drop this here, and then I'll be back in 30 minutes once you processed it. If you'll, see, I don't see it as that. But I guess that mentality um, comes from seeing it so when i'll go back to the the squirrel and dog and wife analogy i i see if you're talking about moments of change when you were telling that story and i wrote it down here i said your dog was the one who tries the change like i'm just gonna try this i'm gonna see if i can do it that's right it's like caution to the wind here i go the squirrel was the one who had changed thrust upon it. I'm pretty comfortable. Yeah, it's a dog. I can normally run and holy crap, this dog just totally caught me. And it's panicking, right? So it's like, here's the change and you just gotta like, you're, you sink or swim with that. And your wife was the one that was there, caught off guard by it, not totally involved, but watching and analyzing all the change. Mm -hmm. um, and figuring out how to do something with it, knowing that she might have to do nothing. You know what I mean? Like the dog and the squirrel might figure this out without me. And it's funny because yeah. I have kind of a love hate with squirrels because squirrels like rip up my grass and we have <laughs> this problem with the grass in the back. But I also have a great story with my uncle Don and I were on his motorbike down in just outside Port Stanley, which is due south of London, where my dad grew up. And he took me out on this motorbike ride and he has one of those big like Honda Gold Wings. So yeah, he's yeah. sitting on the back and we're going. And he was a he's a retired biology teacher and he was still teaching at the time down at Saunders in, in London. And he he was we were driving and we see this squirrel. And of course, you know, squirrels they like run and they stop in the middle of the road and everyone's you swerve out of the way. But we're on a motorbike and we're going pretty quick. You can't swerve and like I'm in the eleventh grade or something. And he's and we have the helmets on with the the microphone the mics on them so we can yeah, chat. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, he's like, okay, they say if you just go straight, they, they run. And if you swerve, it's when you hit them. I'm like, okay. And he goes and he hit this squirrel from the tip of its friggin' nose to the tip of its tail. It was like, not even a pancake. It was like a crepe. It was like a creep. It was like on the road. Ridiculous. We had to pull over because we were both sobbing. We were so upset that we killed the squirrel. I'm like, how can you? I'm like hitting him. I'm like, how can you kill this squirrel? And he's like, I don't like squirrels. They're, they're just like cute rats. They just, they're rats with fluffy tails. So anyway, so back to the analogy, I sort of think moments of change and that risk. I'm your wife. I'm, I'm the spouse. I am the one who's watching it and figuring it out. I, I always, something new is rolled out in the, in the board or in education. I'm, I'm like, you know, here's version 10. I'm 10.1. So I'll sit and I'll watch and I do this even with my cell phone. Like when the new thing comes out and very rarely I'll be like, yeah, I'll get the bugs out of it. So if something's introduced, I'll wait until semester two 
to go. But then once I'm in it, I am like, I'm cannonballing into the swimming pool and I'm all about it. And I'm okay with, if it fails when I'm in there, I'm okay with the changes once I'm in, but I need to sit back and see something for a minute. I'm a bit of an observer mm-hmm. before I'm, I'm, before I commit. Gotcha. And I think in that sense, I'm the one watching the squirrel and the dog. Like they're going to figure it out for a bit, but then I'll go in there. My, my husband is a recruiter. So, and they do this thing called team ability and they mm-hmm. talk about when he started, there was three of them in his, in his, in the company that he works for the two principals in him. And the one is the big idea guy. He's the guy that's like, I had this great idea. And he comes, he's, ah, he's all excited. And he like throws the idea on the table and then he walks out of the room. Everyone else is like, okay, I guess we're doing this. And then the other principal, so the, the his partner is, um, she's, she's like me. She's the one that you give a great idea to. I'm not going to think of the great ideas, but if I have a good idea, like I don't know where I'm going with this, but do it. I can make it phenomenal. I can make it the well-oiled mm. machine. I can build it from the ground up. But then once it gets going, I get bored. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't even, where, where's, where's he again? I need the idea guy back. Come bring me another idea. My husband is the, he's the maintenance guy. He's the guy that will sit with that machine and love that machine and tighten all the cogs on the machine and oil it and make sure it runs really smoothly mm-hmm. and, and watches it and be like, okay, this could be fine tuned this way to make this better. And like, that's who he is. But I'm the one that, okay, give me a great idea. So again, I'm the one that will watch the dog and the squirrel sort of wrestle it out. And sometimes I might have to go in and, you know, let the squirrel go or get the dog away or I'm okay too with sometimes just stepping back and letting things go organically. Mm-hmm. What does it take for you to say yes in moments like that? So when someone someone sort of delivers that idea to you, or you're observing yeah. the idea, what does it take you to sort of what what gets you to buy in? Um, not a lot. When <laughs> when I was at the faculty of ed, I was involved in a musical at the time. It's sort of like a not so secret bucket list dream of mine is to sing like in a chorus. I don't want to be the lead or anything. Like I don't, I don't, I don't need to be Eponine and Les Mis, but I want to be like, do you hear the people sing like on the wall <laughs> climbing? Like I want to be that person, right? Like that's who I want to be. And so I was in this show and like, I, I can carry a tune, but I'm like, I'm, you know, not Mariah Carey. I'm kind of like Mariah Carey last night. Did you watch the New Year's? Do remember I was in bed by 1030. You got to watch it. Like it was epic okay. fail. But people, people were saying like, it, she gave the um, 2016 the end it deserved. Epic fail. No. Um, it was really Perfect. funny. I um I was in this show and at the end of it, they based it, um, the four people who sort of ran it were from Mac and they'd come to Queens to do Fac Ed. They, they had done a lot of like musical theater when they were at Mac and so they brought a lot of their traditions. And one of the things was on op- the no on dress rehearsal night at the very sort of end of the dress rehearsal, they gave it awards. And they were literally paper plates that they decorate with like pasta, <laughs> like, like like kindergarten. It was yeah, hilarious. Exactly. And everyone got an award for something because you can honor someone in every way. And it's sort of that like millennial mentality of right. everyone gets an award. For, but they actually legitimately did it. And I got the I'll do that award. I'll do that. Cause that's why, and I still, I catch myself all the time. Someone will say something like, yeah, I'll do that. I will do pretty much anything for anyone that I, I, I love to help and I love to do. So it doesn't really take a lot. If you give me something good, if you give me something even mediocre. I'm like, yeah, I'll try it. Like I like, I like to try new things. I, because like I said, I get bored with the status quo and I like change that I can control. Mm-hmm. And so if you say, Oh, do you want to do that? I'll, I will absolutely give it a try. I can't guarantee it'll be my well I can guarantee it'll be the best work because that's what I do it might take me hours upon hours and days upon days to get it done to the standard that I want to get it done 
but I, yeah, I'll, I'll do pretty much anything. There's, it's, it's very rare that I say no. It's, in fact, when I was um, pregnant with my first, I actually had to put a post-it note on my wall in front of like on my desk where I sort of like was based out of when I was doing student success that just said, say no. Because mm. I knew like it was beyond my capacity because it, what I would want to give was at, at what cost, like my own cost for my health, for the baby. And because I would, I pushed myself and I, I couldn't at that point because it wasn't just about me. now with the kids. I've got other times where I'm like, I don't, I don't have to do this. I don't have to coach the cheerleading team and yeah. be the beaver scout leader and do, like it's saying i don't need to run that club and this club and that committee and this and like let's build capacity but yeah basically if someone asks me to do something it's if it's something that i i can see being able to fit like it's not like oh in an hour can you do this and like, can you can you teach how to code in an hour well not not really because i gotta learn a lot of that myself but hey can you run hour of code for york region like sort of be the point person and this is a month out. Yeah. Okay. I'll learn how to code and I'll do, and I did like, that's one of the things I did this year. So yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't actually take a lot. I just like that's good awesome. ideas. I had a, uh, I had a conversation with a colleague just before the break and um, I, I, I'm similar to you that, that ideator and there's a very short distance between it occurring in my head and it coming out my mouth. Um, <laughs> but I, but I have to trust my instinct because I trust I trust that I'm constantly taking in little kind of notes and, and nuances and flags and bits of information. And somehow it's kind of like, what was somebody saying that, you know, that's the purpose of sort of like the, the dream journal, because with the dream journal, if you can train yourself to wake up, mm -hmm. your brain is still working on projects that you're not aware yeah, of. Your, your, your little IBQ post-it note that I saw on Twitter. That was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the whole, that. that whole thing of like, you know, getting, letting, letting your brain kind of work on things so that when you do kind of just blurt, it's not, mm -hmm. it's not, it's not, it can be disruptive for people, but it's not disruptive to your own mm -hmm. kind of process because you actually have been giving this some, some thought. And I, someone was yeah. saying to me, you know, that I say yes often and I say yeah. yes quickly. And I, my sort of reflection back to them, I said, and I noticed that you say yes often and quickly when it's for the students, but you don't often say yes quickly when it's for you. And I think there's a real interesting difference there where we're mm -hmm. almost sometimes as teachers will take that risk on behalf of the kid yeah but not as quick to do it no. when there's something that we could do for ourselves no well and i also i think a lot of that comes back to the whole idea of we're we're so critical as as a group because we critique all day right all we do all day is give feedback to students and often i'll say negative although i don't know if that's the exact word i want to use because it's it's not quite constructive but it's like okay this is how you do better you do better you better and which can be demoralizing going back to daniel's thing right when it's in my bag it's still good mm -hmm. when it's in my classroom and the door is closed it's good but you get any feedback it's like the judgment comes in and, and as teachers we're so used to having control because we are the sage on the stage and i will say and no one will question because i know more Right? There's a lot of teachers who don't like to put the risk up out of fear of judgment because people are going to think, oh, they're going to think I'm a fraud or they're going to think I'm, I'm this or they're, they're, they're going to think I'm, I'm not a very good teacher. I don't know what I'm talking about or they're not going to trust me and what I believe are my strengths and maybe they don't see it because they know more than me. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of fear. Teachers are very fearful of being vulnerable with one another. And I think that comes to it. Uh, it's almost detrimental to us as professionals. 
mm-hmm. almost, it is. It is detrimental to us as professionals because we need to take those risks. We need to be vulnerable and we need to trust in one another. And if you can find a group, a department, a grade love, a partner, whoever that you can do that with, you need to hang on to that PLN with all your might because that's how you grow as a professional. And that's how our students, be it in a classroom or student, like just different learners, like you're in your PLN, that's how mm-hmm. we will better education. And that's how that broken system that I was talking about earlier will will start to remedy. And then it'll look broken again in another way because again, the universe will become a bit bigger and we'll go. Like, I don't think it's a, ever fixable and I don't think it mm-hmm. should be. But we can achieve some balance. Right, like, absolutely. So then for, you know, me having the conversation with my colleague about, you know, saying yes for yourself and being just a little bit slower in what you're actually saying no about, mm-hmm. how would you how would you advise someone to sort of get out of their own way? So when they're they're sort of, you know, there's certain my original question I was going to ask you is like what sort of what sort of changes do you feel like you're a part of, actively a part of, and what sort of changes are you actually standing in the way of? But I think oh God, that's but I think a better way to look at it is if someone were sort of obviously not saying yes to something. Oh yeah, I've had I've had how would you how would you sort of how would you get somebody to get out of their own way basically? Okay, so let me I'll frame it in this. So I used to be the teacher liaison for York University um, for our that's right, all of our TCs, or they, the, I forget, the, the, the professional education partners is the last thing that they were being called, which I was like, mm-hmm. okay, whatever, you know, different box, same product. Um, and I would, I would be the one to go around and I'd like shoulder tap, hi, do you want to take a student teacher? Hi, do you want to take a student teacher? Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of pushy. And because I say yes to a lot of people, I think people feel they owe me things, which I don't, like, I don't say yes, because to get the favor, I'm not one of those people. I say yes, because I think it'll, you know, do better for the world so that's why i'm going to do it um but and maybe maybe not maybe it won't do better maybe people would disagree with that but um maybe my husband sometimes when i'm like up at 1 a.m exhausted and <laughs> grumpy the next day um but i think in that sense i would go around and they'd be like oh no i can't take one and i would just say well why and and not not because i thought i knew the answer i wanted to know and i was always i, I was genuinely interested to hear why they didn't feel they could and for some, it was like, oh, they're more work than they're worth. I'm like, well, tell me a bit about that. Why do you think that? So I think that in order to get people out of that, like just say no, is, is to challenge their thinking without coming across as being challenging. Because there's a difference between being challenging and to challenge someone. They're very, they're different verbs. Those verb yeah, tenses are. are very, very different. And the linguist in me sees that, right? Because like I said, I, I went to French version. I, I, I took Spanish. I took Italian. I, like, yeah. I, I speak all these languages. So I see this. And for me, it was just to have them reflect. And in some cases, I would never change them. But sometimes people are like, okay, you know what? I, I will. And a lot of it was fear. Like, I don't want them to get in here and, and think that I don't know what I'm doing. And how am I going to be able to? I don't think I have the resources to to give them to do this. And and I would be able to say, I'm like, well, from what I've heard from other people in your department or from kids, like, this is really cool. You do this. It's really cool. You do this. I've noticed this in meetings. I'd love to learn that from you. And it's it's a lot of just confidence building like we do in our students, mm-hmm. right? Our strategies for teaching are no different than our strategies for just good people skills. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree for sure. I think I think about when you were talking about um, doing your master's and you're sort of the instructor that... Uh, I'm a killer. <laughs> yeah, but but you know what? I think there's there's something when, you're, when your brain is... When your brain is kind of like open to receiving 
the signal, maybe not the knowledge, but the signal. Because yeah. I had an instructor that was all up in constructivism and I hated him. <laughs> I, but but I think what I, I hated was, and I, and I thought of, you know, one of the things that, one of the things I actually love right now about change in education is the ambiguity that it causes. I love the, you know, not necessarily knowing where something's going to go next mm-hmm. and just waiting for that one next moment just to see what happens. And because often yeah. we sort of hit the stop button just before something really interesting happens or something notable or something even hilarious or even the the breaking of the the sort of like the 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 uncomfortable silence and you come out the other side and you're sort of back into it again. And he, but he never, (laughs) he never, he never let go of it. And I felt like he was, and I'm not even sure, like it's almost, he was so constructivist. I don't even know if he knew how to teach. He was so withdrawn in his approach to just saying, you need to sort of design. He was sort of like, you know, you design your world in this. I'm like, no, I think there's some curriculum documents I have to follow. He's like, well, you know. no, you, but, but there's that. And then there's, I mean, as far as talking about the people that I know have impressed me and sort of, like I said, I really think of the, 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 the there's a difference between the instruction, the instruction, the content and the signal. And mm-hmm. I think probably my best teachers are the ones that hit me and got my signal. Like they knew, they knew how to just kind of rattle my cage a bit enough that I found a way back to the content. I may have never really liked how they taught, never went there, but I knew enough then they had me sort of, like you kind of said, you, you got the wheel spinning. Give me another new thing. Give it, give it to me. Yeah. Now. Give, that, give that sort of that whirlwind, that Fred Flintstone foot motion going. Give me a little bit of it. Absolutely. Local. Absolutely. And, well, and that that Flintstoning idea is huge in in design thinking, right? Like the um, what's it? Future design schools they talk yeah. about Flintstoning all the time, and the idea of you you create this uh, a prototype and then you rapidly experiment with mm-hmm. it. It doesn't need to be the full car where you have the motor. It's like okay, well here's the shell and let's see what can happen. And you go and if it didn't work, it's okay. You didn't get to the end of the prototype, and it's not your your final product because it can't be because you've got to test it so many times. So don't put a whole lot of idea into the beginning. It goes back to Ditch Summit, right? Um, Noah uh, Giselle, his whole, his whole, or Geisel, sorry, his his thing was, um, don't oh shoot, what was it? it? Don't don't get ready, get started. And yeah. he was talking about how how he feels that that teachers put way too much time into the planning and they invest all this that we lose sight of where it might go. So get it started, have the framework, put the scaffolding there, but then just do it. Ask, jump, risk, share, try, like be audacious was his message. And it was so, it was so great to me. Like, you know, we're, we, we want our students to be free and critical thinkers, but we don't give them the freedom. And so there's this, this, I don't know, like the unbalance in what we do in our teaching, you know, Mm -hmm. we just, we don't, we don't do that. You you always want to like give the kids the ideas or your learners, whether they be kids or not ideas and watch them grow with it and have it like as a big group, right? You know, like Frankenstein and almost, and then see where it goes. And Frankenstein went on to become a pretty famous novel. So, you know, like that (laughs) first iteration might be all right. God. You're making me think a lot of things. I had another conversation with another. No, that's okay. I don't mind thinking. The the another conversation around. Um, you know, when you're trying to bring that, if you're the, if you move from the, the sort of the idea thinker into the, you know, you're the one that actually has to deliver it. I find myself often in that conversation, 
And I, I love the being met with as if in the things that I present. And what I mean by that is, um, for example, I was in a discussion um, about 20% time in Genius Hour mm -hmm. and the value of allowing students that creative freedom to sort of, I framed it as to teach me and teach the class something. Cause that, that was my end game is that if the kid was given the opportunity to sort of do something of high interest, passion project, something just, you know, that they were curious about yeah. that ultimately the class would benefit from it. And yeah. of the, of the five people that I spoke to for them, for them, their immediate as if statement was, so what you're saying is that you're just not going to teach for a period and oh my goodness but but i'm okay but i'm okay with that because part of that is and i can't there's it's soft numbers right i'm not doing any sort of deep no. analysis here but but if that is a and this was across this wasn't all in one place that i had this conversation but if right. this is kind of where if this is kind of where we're mired with some of these really cool opportunities then that completely plays into you know us us as the lead creator not modeling creativity not modeling really safe risk taking like what are we talking about here a kid is going to willingly take their period and and skip they're going to take a period and not show up so why can't we have a conversation well if i let you come to class and bring your guitar or draw doodle with your sharpies for a period like yeah so it's it's interesting but that's in that. not not that that to me is interesting because that's your, what would you call them? Your as if statements. It's like, oh, so you're just not going to teach. I think that's when done properly are, are, are the best teaching. That's what kids are going to remember. That's what they're going to take. They're going to. But, but what I take from that, and I get that part, what I take from that is the, there's the, the space. What did uh, someone say? Like, the, it's sort of like, that's, that's the, that's the farmland that the seed's being planted in. So it, there's some, we're going to have to sort of like, scorch the earth here and start over to, to a certain degree because yeah. that's 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 a and i think part of part of what Very i think mindset it is i think part of it is another part of it too is you know i've spent a little bit of time using twitter and sort of existing outside our school board and and meeting people that have nothing to do with our school board and seeing some of them and i think that's so rich it's it is. so rich it is i think it's 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 you can't go back. No. Like you can't, you no. can't go back to those old ways of thinking. You can't. And you know what? I, I find being on Twitter and I'm far more active like this fall than I've ever been. I actually went back to look. I was on it for chats every now and then I would go, but especially in the last two weeks, like Twitter's really exploded for me. Just talking to people, I don't need to choose my words as carefully as I do within our own district because like, okay, well, if I say that, is it going to be interpreted like this or that? Mm -hmm. Like I, you can just sort of, speak freely like there's a, a dutch proverb that says what the heart is full of comes out the mouth mm. and i feel sometimes in and i don't think it's an education thing like just in life professionally you really need to guard yourself with what you're saying you know career limiting moves this sort of thing and provided that you're professional about it you, mm -hmm. you can just sort of say that you can be like well I just think this and it can be radical. It can, it cannot be radical. It can just be a thought, but there's something about the anonymity of Twitter too, that they don't really know who you are. Mm -hmm. Right. So again, that, that fear of judgment is sort of removed because if they don't like you, they just don't follow you, which is good and bad, right? Like the mm -hmm. whole idea. Okay. 
Two last things I want to throw your way. You had mentioned, well, we've talked about having a PLN and you name dropped Mm -hmm. some of, you know, people, voices from the past that have sort Mm -hmm. of helped make the teacher that, that you are right now. Yeah. If you were to assemble a master class of teachers that would speak to new teachers coming into the board. Oh goodness. Yeah. Could you, could you throw down two or three that you think would just, the ones that are, that are there on the edge, the ones that are, have that sort of high interest. Yeah. The ones that you think would be, and you know what, you you did this to yourself because you mentioned the end tip thing. So (laughs) that's what I wrote down. I said, I knew I wanted to come back to that. I wrote it down just up at the top here. Just just above your picture, by the way. So I, there's a little oh, just I'm above pretty, you somewhere. I am. Somewhere up Let's, there, it says. Enter. I always say, okay. my 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 students used to say when I'd say something like, "Wow, Miss, you're smart," and I'm like, "Yeah, and pretty," and they burst out <laughs> laughing. And I'm like, "And funny." So that's, that's always my comment. And whenever anyone says you're smart, I'm like, yeah, "And pretty." <laughs> so who would you bring in? Oh, that's really hard. I saw that when I previewed and I thought I've been thinking about that a lot and it would change. I guess if I'm thinking in our board alone, let's say, Uh and I'm my biggest influencers to get me here. I am now I'm throwing out um, Rich McPherson would absolutely be on that list. Nadia Bearcroft would be on that list. Teresa Meikle would be on that list and Kathy Costello. Would be on that list. They're all. They're all. Can you say why? Yeah, absolutely. They're all in English, so they speak to my roots. Like, and they all had a really big impact on shaping me and my beliefs. And they were people that I would sit and listen and and to speak, and I would be awestruck with their ideas, with their passions, with their um, risk taking. Um, with their ability to, to, to bring people together and create a united action, all of them. So Kathy Costello taught me OAC English, and then she went on to become, they were all at one point English curriculum consultants. And so I've had, I've had a lot of, of dealings with them. Kathy just, she was a small, do you know Kathy? She was a small, she's, she passed actually a number of years ago now. It's funny. I think I met her once because I think she was ahead at Williams. Mm-hmm. I think my spouse, my spouse is a teacher as well. Okay. Um, she was at Williams, I think for one or two years with her back in like uh, 2002, 2003, maybe. So I know of the name. And yeah. of course I've looked at uh, enough English textbooks to see her name. Yeah. And her name <laughs> on like, a lot. Yeah. yeah, I know her. Yeah. Yeah, she just, she had to me the, an incredible ability to read something and retain it. Hmm. And she would see it, she would retain it, she would twist it to make it fit, not twist it, that's right. She would bring it up at just the, the poignant moment, like, oh, and then there was this. Like, she just had this head of, of full of rich knowledge that I just adore. Um, I find Rich McPherson is the same. What I love about Rich is you don't find anyone who who says, oh, I don't, I don't really have time for him, I don't don't care for him. Like there's always something that's, eh. there's no naysayers. Everyone loves Rich because he's just so, he says what he means and he means what he says. And he doesn't, 
he'll challenge people in such a respectful way mm. and he thinks and he sees things from such different angles i just i adore working with him he makes you feel instantly comfortable and listen to like when i'm with him i feel like he is there with me he's not distracted and, and i really admire that in people especially in these days where it's really fast paced yeah exactly um is a guru with assessment I um I was doing something about Google Sheets up in, in curriculum a couple of weeks ago. We have learned mandated learning times, which some people don't like. I love because I just sit with people in curriculum and we all talk about things that we know and love. So, and Nadia brought something. I I said something. She's like, "Well, I'm concerned about that from an assessment point of view, right?" She's the assessment coordinator, mm-hmm. and she started talking about this. And she taught. She pulled out this thing about the achievement chart and like just the resources that she had and how she can speak to what rich assessment looks like. And again, going back to Daniel and, and what matters and what doesn't, she to me is like, if there's someone that you need to talk to. And I said, can you share some of this with me? She created this little like folder and shared it with me in the Google drive. And I was like, (laughs) it was like, you know, two or three days before Christmas. And I was like, Santa, can I, can I I please share this with people? She's like, absolutely. So I've I've shared it with a few people who who love her. And it's funny when I sit in rooms because Rich and Nadia are still, are still there. Um, I have a few friends who I'll be like, guess who I'm sitting with right now? And they're like, I'm so jealous of you in this moment. Um, and then Teresa like a, Meikle. A Twitter back channel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's exactly what it's like. And Teresa Meikle, who's retired, but I think she's she comes back, she retires on contract. She often does now elementary um, vice principalships. Is just someone who has such a commanding presence. And again, would just speak her mind. And I have a lot of admiration for people who don't need to be political. Because she has such passion for education and passion for students doing well and achieving. And she, if she didn't agree with something, she's like, I don't agree with that. I think it should be this way against ministry, against, and, but in the same, in the same note, when she believed in something that was in the curriculum, when she believed in something like a, a policy from the ministry, from the board, from the, from our district, she would wholeheartedly go on that too. Like she just has such conviction that I find so admirable. The thread that weaves them together is they're they're just phenomenal character. And if we go back to, you know, when I started teaching, you know, a decade and a half ago and that whole character matters thing, they mm-hmm. those tenets of character are so alive in each of them that I think I can speak to people that I'm like, oh, I think they would be, but those are people that I would pull together because I think it's hard to say about teachers, like, oh, they're a great teacher. I hear teachers saying that, oh, they're such a great teacher. And I'm often I pause. I'm like, and I sometimes ask, often ask, but sometimes I think to myself, I'm like, well, how would you really know that? Because like, I can do a really good song and dance. It doesn't mean that I'm really great in the classroom. You know, you never really know. So unless, like, I have one teacher, Esposkifoni, who is the head of math at Maple, who I, I resourced in his class. And I learned more about teaching math, resourcing three days a week in his class, than I could ever have learned in any course or at the faculty or anywhere. He was just uh, in a different level the things that he would do and how he would get to the students and his knowledge of math but his ability to connect with the kids so unless i've actually lived it and, and and seen it and been influenced myself i don't think i could recommend so those would be the four that i would i would pull together and you know have that like sit down it would be a dinner table where i would be able to sit and not really say anything for a couple of hours that's and awesome. that my friend would take a lot that's awesome because i love talking yeah you meant you mentioning that math instructor reminds me of um sean perry have you, have you Sean, met Sean? Sean was the VP at Maple when I was when I was there for the last year and a half. And Sean and I went to high school together. So Sean, Sean and I took grade ten art together. When I first when I first started at Williams in my he was math being, being so green, right? I'm like, okay, you know what? I need to get out. 
I got to get away from my constructivist faculty teacher, <laughs> see how, how the real world works. And Sean was gracious enough. He was one of the teachers that I approached. And I said, hey, can I come and sit in your, in your classroom? And without even a pause, he's like, yep, come on by. And I was still yeah, totally remember Sean. like Pascal's triangle. Pascal's triangle? And I've never, <laughs> I've never... I've never encountered that again. I've never encountered that patterning ever again. But right. I remember I remember how smart I felt coming out of there. And I am not, I teach math because I'm all Ted, but I am not a math yeah. teacher. I'm math I'm, teacher. I'm language, I'm concepts, I'm sort of words and text images if I can. And it's really fun to teach math because that's my starting point. But yeah. I don't, I don't get the rigor of it right away. And I just thought, right. I've complimented him. I was going to say, please tell me you've told him that because I don't oh, think yeah. we do that enough as oh, teachers or in life. And, and, I do not think we we give people credit. I think we're, we're too quick to criticize and give and, and almost insult in a joking way. And I've really, one of my New Year's resolutions, as much as I hate making them, I feel I sort of have to, is to stop doing that. Like instead of teasing in a negative way, like being like, oh, you met this clown. Like, oh God, you hate working with him. Even though you mean you love it. Like, don't say that. Be like, have you met him? Cause he's like crazy amazing and you need yeah. to know him. Like, we need more of that. And it, and it is the, it is the as if moment at the table. You hold yeah. it there until the moment changes to you get through that ambiguity. Okay, they're not joking. They actually really do love working with this individual. Yeah. And then you've got somebody that believes, right? Yeah. So absolutely. yeah, I've told him I'm I'm I've complimented him a few times and tagged him in and said, Oh yeah, you know what? Here's a VP that totally, you know, walks the talk and he let me come into his classroom yeah. and he opened his door and I got to learn math from him. Yeah. Okay. And he's great at that. We're getting there's the last one. Here's the last one. Okay. Uh, in our four-hour-long podcast. I know, I know. Eh? <laughs> well, I think it's only been an hour and change, which is fine, which is good. Hey, someone's going to listen. Um, okay, so someone's, someone's got a long commute. <laughs> here, here's here's a quote for you. Okay, I want to end this on a quote, okay. and you can take it in whatever direction you want. Okay. Okay. So, um, dude's name is Alvin Toffler, and his okay. quote: What he said is, "Change is the process by which the future invades our lives." And I was previously going to ask you, you actually, you know, I know I said I wasn't going to go through the whole list of questions, but you managed to flow through a bunch of, I seriously, go back through the list after and this see how many I did. and I see how you sort of, you dance through it. I'm like, I have little check marks. I'm like, okay, now I'm going to go all around. It's like the craziest, craziest frenetic That's lesson awesome. plan I've ever had. Right. Cause cool. one of the, I was going to ask you questions like how has teaching changed you? I was going to ask, yeah. you know, how your view of education now versus then all this kind of stuff. But now we kind of end up, we let, let's bring it back to, you know, th change. that idea of change. AIDS and if it, it, our lives. Yeah. What, what does that, what does that mean to you? The word invade makes me think of aliens. It's not weird. That's okay. Um, say it again. Change is the process by which the future invades our lives. I, I like that quote. I like, I like short and simple quotes, though. I also love quotes, English teacher. Um, I think it's true because I think, not that I'm thinking, no, I think they're totally wrong. No, I think, um, I think he's <laughs> onto something because it is change. I've never thought of it as change being future. I've just thought of it being different. I, I don't know. I guess they're not as mutually exclusive as I thought. Um, that's a, that's, there's so many levels to that. That's like a little onion of a, of a quote, isn't it? You can peel back so many layers. Like you can go 
superficially and just be like, oh yeah, because you know, when we change, it becomes new. And when it becomes new, then now we're in we're out of the past and we're into the new new, which was the future then. And like, but I think you can go deeper. Like I, I keep going back to that word invades and the idea of the alien and the unknown intruding on and, and the ideas of fear around that. And the idea of, of how we're, we're scared, but we don't necessarily need to be because it's just the unknown. And, and why, what is it about the unknown? Because I think most fears and phobias that people have aren't of anything but fear itself. Um, and, and not knowing, we just want to know, right? We're scared of spiders because we don't know if it's going to bite us or if it's going to feel creepy on our skin. I think the quote really speaks to the idea that we almost need to embrace change to have any sort of forward movement in order to become better or not even better because I don't think change, yeah, it does. Because even if it's a failed change, We've learned from that. And going back to like the math teacher that I told off is that like I'm the martyr of the classroom. So if we can keep in mind that this change is okay because it's going to get us to the next step. And like I, you know, I I said to you earlier, I, I really believe that everything happens for a reason. And I sort of like to sit back and let the fates run their course and decide where I'm gonna go. I uh I think that does that changes these little aliens that come in and might scare us at first but (laughs) will propel us into that sort of sci-fi world that we're destined to be in i don't know is that corny no no that works for me me. all right i'll I'll go with that that's the rorschach test i'll probably i'll I'll tweet oh great (laughs) it's like the ink plot now i'm like a crazy murderer like see my husband was right my sketch notes are just like crazy verbal turn into a psychopath no remember Um, mine were the ones with the random sort of schizophrenia in them right so yeah yeah and i understand i I understand yours i'm gonna think about that more yeah there we go i'm gonna think about that more i bet you i'm gonna i'm gonna tweet you a couple times be like no i changed my answer to this but i i get hung up on the nice process part i don't get i get i don't get hung up on the invade because for me, it's a, yeah, I get, I sort of, I exist a little bit more in the, um, what are the subtle clues? What are the subtle things that sometimes we don't notice? Yeah. Maybe because we are too focused on the, the big round eye, big round eyes on the saucers falling from the sky. Right. <laughs> what what, what, what and did not, I notice? And not the beautiful lot? pattern of light that's being made on the ground around you. Yeah, it could be. Or the, or the, or the five tone song that's yeah. playing as, as, <laughs> but yeah for me it is about the process i get the invasion i can accept the invasion um but what is it that what is it that i i hope to notice about the process so that i can feel like i'm playing a part in it interesting yeah process is big right the old was it wasn't it aerosmith life's a journey not a destination wasn't that one of the lines from one of their songs I thought that was Tom Cochran. That could be him too. I don't know. They probably a lot of so, life is a highway. Was it in that too? No, it's definitely so, Aerosmith says it. I'm trying to think of the name of the song. Now, now's, now's your last chance to get that song in. Yeah. I'm not going to sing it. I'm, I'm, so, I'm, I'm only big on Broadway. So throw, throw down, throw down for, for the, the, uh, the listeners, where can you be found? If people want to connect with you, they want to find you, where can you be found? Well, you can come to my home. At, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I get all these people ringing my doorbell. Um, oh, you I can will. Be found you will, sure. I like my new tweets. I'm at virtual gif, G-I-F-F, not a single F, because my last name is Giffen. Um, okay. There, I, uh, I 
blog-ish. I did my crazy blogging in um, in November where I wrote a blog a day, which was exhausting, mm-hmm. but I loved it. It was a great, great mm-hmm. activity. They're good. They're um, good. They're okay. Thanks. They were they were a good like first attempt at them. I'm I'm proud of the first attempt, but it's gonna I'm gonna love them when I look back and I laugh because I'm like, oh my gosh, that was a blog. That's hilarious. But I'm I'm proud that I did it. So and that's um virtualgift.blogspot.ca. I was gonna do medium and in hindsight I kinda wish I had, but I liked the interface with Google and with all the googliness that we do. Um, yeah, me too. I'm on Instagram at virtual gift as well, but I don't actually insta a lot. I wanna start doing that more. But I don't know what that's going to look like. I also kind of want to start a Snapchat about education with that handle too, because I think that's it's powerful, just in a lot of ways, and reach a different audience. And mm-hmm. it's not being tapped into in education because it's kind of seen as dumb. Because it is kind of dumb. I kind of really hate it, but I think I can do something with it. So that might come. I think maybe for that look. The, the whole the whole Snapchat thing for me is a little bit like um, it's like the dog grabbing me. I feel like the squirrel on it. Like it's it's sort of like reality yeah. changing. I I want to try it, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know where it works. You're the squirrel. Someone just needs to force you, like me. Like I I got squirreled. I got squirreled into Snapchat. I'm not even kidding you. My best friend is a digital marketer, and she was like, "What do you mean you're not on Snapchat? You're a high school teacher." I'm like, "She goes, that's your whole audience." She goes, "I'm on Snapchat. Of course I'm Snapchat. I'm Snapchat all the time because this is like I've got to understand that so that when we market to those people and and she explains to me, I'm like, okay, I'll get on Snapchat. And I went, oh, I still don't get it. And the odd time I get a snap from her, I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, I'm like, who am I going to, you know, who I'm going to have on there is like the, the kids I used to coach that I'm still in. I know. Eh? That's totally it. No, the, the big way to get in touch with me is absolutely Twitter at virtual gif. Um, I go through fits and spurts. Sometimes I'll, you know, flood with a whole bunch of stuff and then I'll be silent for a few days and be taking things in. But I think it's a great PLN. I'm, I'm always like checking in to see if people are asking me questions and I'm sharing things there. And, and yeah, I, I like, I like the passion on Twitter and I only use it for school related, like education related things. Like I promise I will not take a picture of my, um, my dinner and uh, tweet about that. I won't tell you when my kids and I are going to the zoo and how we saw the pandas or anything. Like I'm not, that's my Facebook. That's my personal life. It's all, in fact, my, my kids barely make uh, an appearance. Although my oldest did this week when we went to the art gallery, but that was education related because we were talking about learning and, art and it was pretty awesome we had a great time i do the same i do the same i yeah. keep the kids twitter for me is my professional sort of tool and facebook yeah. instagram instagram can exist somewhere between but facebook goes all sort of like personal yeah. so yeah yeah same so yeah the twitters i love it and i'm on i'm on google plus um i don't know what my google plus handle is isn't that terrible uh, i think it's jennifer giffen 77 I can probably find it. I'll put it in the, I'll put it in, the, I get sure. to say this. I'll put it in the blog notes. Oh my God, you put it in the show notes. Woohoo! Look at us. So fancy and stuff. All right. You're the best. Thanks for sharing with me. Thanks for, thanks for asking me. I'm super excited.